You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Join us for our live broadcasts on Thursday nights and immediately following every IU game at our website, assemblycall.com. That's assemblycall.com. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to another victorious episode of the Assembly Call, as tonight your Indiana Hoosiers defeat the Youngstown State Penguins 79-51. to It was a game where the Hoosiers were pretty underwhelming in the first half and had a 29-20 to lead at halftime, thanks in large part to some really, really poor shooting by Youngstown State, who could not buy a three-pointer, which... Frankly, given what we've seen in some of these games, this non-conference schedule, that was really nice to see. Uh, But what was even nicer to see was that the Hoosiers really came out, played with more of a purpose in the second half, led by Zach McRoberts and Juwan Morgan, uh, and ended up winning going away, as they should, against a team like Youngstown State at home. And we are going to break it all down for you on this edition of the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm your host, Jared Morris. I will be joined tonight. It's a special treat. We've got the coach with us, Brian Tonsoni, and we are going to break down this Indiana victory here on this episode of the Assembly Call. But let's start tonight's show as we start every show. And that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And uh, look, one banner moment, It came actually before the game even started from longtime Assembly Call listener Jared Beamer, uh, who messaged me, sent a picture, said he made it to Bloomington for the game, uh, but before going to the game, got engaged in front of Jordan Hall, where he met his now fiance, future wife. And so I just wanted to say congratulations to Jared uh, on that. You've probably heard his name uh, on a few episodes of Assembly Call Radio because he submitted questions to us. And so very, very excited for him uh, and his future bride on that. But the banner moment for the game itself, for me, came right at the beginning of the second half. Archie Miller made the decision to start Zach McRoberts uh, over Al Durham to begin the second half. Uh, To me, that was a pretty obvious choice to make. Al had struggled to get anything going in the first half, dealt with a little bit of foul trouble, and Zach McRoberts, I thought, in the first half was Indiana's best player overall. I mean, Everything that he did, you know, in terms of on the offensive glass, on the defensive end, making some really good passes, he was rewarded with the start, and he stepped right up at the beginning of the second half and drained a three, which made it 32-20, to and it was a really nice play where he kicked it into Deron Davis, Deron got double teamed, he kicked it right back out to Zach, Zach didn't hesitate, and, you know, we're starting to see that more and more now from Zach McRoberts, a guy who had been hesitant to assert himself on offense, to take outside shots. He's starting to to be more confident doing so, and him making those shots and being a threat on offense makes him so much more valuable and so much more able to contribute when he's out there. But that three got things going for Indiana. They went on a quick 7-2 to run to begin the second half, which extended the lead to 14 and just made sure that Youngstown State didn't get any ideas because in the first half, they were as close as 22-18. to 
at one point. And so that just made sure that Indiana came out with the right mindset, got things off on the right foot. And especially on a night like tonight, where Zach McRoberts, you know, the guy who led the team in plus minus, there was no one better to get Indiana off on that right foot in the second half. And he absolutely did so. And he just continues to prove that he is a valuable part of this rotation and not just a valuable part of the rotation, but as Brian and I will talk about, one of the best players on the team right now. So our banner moment, as always, brought to you by our friends at Hoosier Proud, an Indiana-based t-shirt and apparel company that is by Hoosiers for Hoosiers. As we've gone through this season, I've been telling you about the three reasons why you need to check out their website, HoosierProud.com. Obviously, their designs are number one. They have some great designs inspired by unique elements of the Hoosier State. They have officially licensed IU gear. They have our official assembly call t-shirts. All of that is there. And then, of course, their philanthropy. If you want to support Indiana-based charities, Hoosier Proud does that. They donate a portion of the proceeds uh, from their T-shirt sales to Indiana-based charities. And then, of course, they're very generous to our Assembly Call listeners, giving you 15% off your entire order when you use the promo code ASSEMBLY. And if I can make a specific recommendation, uh, I ordered their long-sleeve uh, Crimson Script Indiana T-shirt uh, over uh, the winter break, received it. Absolutely love it. I love the material. Uh, I love the design because obviously I love that that script Indiana design, the classic look. Um, and so if you want a recommendation, that's there. Uh, they've got a lot of new uh, officially licensed IU gear. That's one of the new things this year. So check it out at HoosierProud.com. Make sure that you use the promo code assembly, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y while you're there and you will get 15% off of your entire order. All right, well, it is time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. Uh, and tonight, that is one man. He is right here to my right. He is the coach, Brian Tonsoni, and it is Tonsoni time. Coach, what were your thoughts on tonight's IU performance? Well, well, first of all, I got a couple T-shirts, too, from Hoosier Proud with this Christmas from my mom. Love them. Awesome. Everyone needs to go there. And getting engaged in Bloomington is, is fantastic. Wellhouse for this guy and my son just recently was engaged at the Wellhouse. So we got a lot of winning going on despite awesome. the despite the basketball program here. That, that's great. Uh, getting engaged uh, marriage is one of the best things uh, ever to happen to a lot of us. Um, but anyway, yes. the, the, the takeaway I have is this team needs Archie Miller. Uh, he said a week or so ago he needs to be a raving lunatic. I, I think this team plays better when he is getting after them. Uh, the second half performance from everyone and the team collectively tonight was a lot better. There was more energy, and I would imagine that uh, halftime was somewhat loud and pointed um, just watching him walk off off the floor. that That's tough, uh, and sometimes coaches need to be everything, the strategy guy, the motivation guy, the accountability guy, and that's part of what he has to evaluate what this team needs. Uh, a program's better when, when he can delegate some of those to the leaders on the team and, and to the players themselves, and they don't have to to get that uh, butt chewing all the time to play. But in order for this team to play consistently well, which they have shown in many games and many stretches, I, I think they, my takeaway is uh, tonight shows they still need Archie there to, to be that uh, total guide, if you will. Yeah, boy, it sure seems like that. And and maybe that's the big, the biggest lesson that he took from the Fort Wayne game. You know, again, you know, we've talked about how that Indiana State game, it happens, you can explain it away. It's much tougher to explain away the Fort Wayne game. And, it, you know, it's almost like he kind of realized what those of us who watched this particular group of players kind of realized last year, that they're just, they're inconsistent, you know, not even just from game to game, but sometimes from half to half. And, Without that strong internal leader, 
it's going to have to come from somewhere and that guy is going to have to be the coach. And so, uh, like you said, I mean, I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall at halftime just to see what was said, because I thought some of those shots they showed of Archie before halftime, it looked like his head was going to explode. Uh, and so I'm sure he went in there was very intense, but I guess the issue is at some point, don't you run the risk of, can't you only play those cards so often or, you know, can, can you function as a team with it always coming from the coach and him always having to be, you know, kind of at DEFCON 1? I, I think you can play throughout a season with the coach doing that. Is it optimal? I don't think so. Um, because, you know, all of the, the words and, the, and the, the voice and the level, the decibels, that, that, that wears off after, after a while. And from a coaching standpoint, one of the lessons that I've learned over time is don't love your team until the last game of the season. Because once you start feeling comfortable about a certain aspect or, you know, like the Notre Dame win, we, we as coaches make mistakes as well. And you kind of say, okay, they finally got it. We, we beat a Notre Dame. Now let's move on to something higher in the strategy spectrum. And when they really needed to be brought down. And he kind of knew it. He said so after Notre Dame, we got to get ready for Fort Wayne. But I don't know that you really know that sometimes until you get smacked and as a coach too. And so it's not ideal, but some teams um, – you, you have to do that. You have to be everything because that's just what they need. And then you try to recruit out of it or build out of it with experience to a point where, you know, we won the Big Ten Championship with Yogi. And the re reason was because Yogi led that team. And, that, and that's not necessarily being critical of Coach Cream, but Yogi took that team on his back. Those teams are, are, are easier to win consistently with. Yeah, oh, absolutely. All right, you're listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris here with Brian Tonsoni, breaking down Indiana's 79-51 to victory over Youngstown State. Uh, Brian, let's talk about uh, the two headliners for Indiana in terms of individual performances, and let's start with Zach McRoberts. Uh, you know, a lot of times the numbers don't tell the story with Zach tonight. They, they tell a pretty good part of the story. He had seven points, uh, had a couple of assists. You know, most notably, he had five offensive rebounds. He continues to be one of the best offensive rebounders, you know, not just on the team, but shoot, in, in the country. We'll have to see what his updated numbers look like on Ken Palm. But, you know, he had seven against Notre Dame, five tonight. He also had a couple of steals. He had a block. He knocked down a couple of three-pointers. I mean, and he was two for three. So outside of Zach McRoberts shooting, Indiana as a team was three for 19 from downtown. Uh, and so, you know, he really right now to me, what he does is he brings some particular things that Indiana really needs, which is a guy playing with consistent energy, a guy who is in the right spot on defense, who competes, especially against ball handlers. Uh, I love watching him play on ball defense uh, because he just it's very rare that he actually gets beat and he's able to recover well, uh, but he doesn't get beat and then make his teammates have to recover and get in some kind of crazy rotation. And now from an offensive standpoint, he's starting to make those three pointers. And so he continues to expand his game. And I thought tonight we really saw it all. And I think we also saw maybe what can happen when he's inserted into that starting lineup. And maybe with a couple of big road tests coming up against Wisconsin and Minnesota, that's something Archie should consider doing, not just at the start of the second half, maybe at the start of the game. I, I think we're at that point where, you know, it's it's just beyond getting minutes because he does good things and getting minutes to show other players the right way to play. I, I think he's moved to a spot, and, and the credit goes to him, that um, – 
he might deserve as many minutes as possible. In fact, when he came back in at 222, I was like, no, 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 leave him on. We don't, we can't afford to get him injured. And, and what a, what a large climb that's been. Um, you know, there's a reason that he was recruited to Vermont. And then there was a reason that he was a preferred walk on and not a transfer. Um, that, that's not knocking the young man. And so when, when coaches play people like that, that's a signal that here's someone doing it right in practice. We're going to give them game opportunities. And now we need him. But he's really, you know, Baker Mayfield was a walk-on, I believe, at the start. And and he was. And he wins the Heisman. We're seeing that a little bit here with Zach Roberts. He's no longer that typical walk-on who's just coming in and playing 10 minutes to to energize the group or to do things right. He's a he's an integral part of what we're doing. Uh what I use doing. I'm not on the team, but um and it's fun to watch the the tapping of the ball, the energy plays. I, I wrote down he had a couple, you know, he's on the floor. Um, and, and, and when we get more guys doing that, we will really take off with this team and the program will take off, but he's everywhere. Uh, I, I say, I, if anyone could record me here, it's just, I, I, no one's down here. And I'm going, geez, oh my gosh, <laughs> those kinds of plays from a walk-on are fun to see. And, and, um, that just needs to carry over to a lot of the other guys. And, and when you got five guys on the floor, all doing that, that's when you uh, compete at your finest. Yeah, I mean, I think I don't think you could find an Indiana fan now that doesn't think Zach deserves a scholarship. And, and I get this note on Twitter a lot, like, oh, you know, surely he'll get Curtis Jones scholarship, right? Just as a note, uh, from everything that I know, you can't actually do that. You can't give a scholarship that was already to somebody else, uh, give it to them midseason. That can only happen in the offseason. So I just want to clarify that because a lot of people are asking, probably if Indiana could do that, they would, <laughs> given the contributions that he's made. I mean, it sounds kind of crazy, but is it fair to say that he's the second best player on this team right now? I mean, like who else do you know or that can you count on what you're going to get from game to game other than Juwan Morgan, more so than Zach McRoberts? You trust him. And trust is a big word. When you put him out there, you trust that he's going to execute in the way that Zach McRoberts can. And that's the way that, that Archie needs it to be. And, and, and we, we talk a lot about that with, with our team. Can we trust you to do what needs to be done? And when you build that level of trust, your minutes go up. And, and yes, I, I would say, you know, the way he's playing, you know, if you want to rank him second, third best, but he needs to be out there because we're a lot better. The, the one down segment we had in the second half where it got back to 16 or 17 i think he was out for a portion of that yeah they and went so, on a quick eight to two ten to two run and it's when he went to the bench juan might have been out too but i know zach yeah. was and, and that's the thing you gotta you gotta look at the you know it's a game of runs and that was bound to happen a little bit we can't just say just because mcroberts w was out but he has really earned a lot of time and a lot of trust with with this coaching staff now here's the thing our team's gonna start game planning you know, it's one thing when you're the ninth, tenth man, you come on and, and you're not talked about in the scouting report. And now he's played for, you know, three or four weeks. And now teams are going to say, how can we attack him? How can we, you know, drive him or get him in foul trouble? Uh, are we going to let him shoot? Are we going to guard him on offense? So now he's going to, if you're the second best player, you're going to get scouted. Yeah. And and sometimes that changes things too. It's it's one thing to play when you're, when you're not the focus of a scouting report. Now he might become one uh, because he is so good for, are you? 
Well, to a certain extent, didn't we see that with a guy like Al Durham earlier in the year who was really, really productive early in the year and now is really struggling to get anything going? And, you know, part of that is is just being a freshman and some of the inconsistencies there. But it also seems like teams have a little bit of a better idea of what he wants to do, you know, kind of how to attack that. And now he's struggling a little bit. And so mm-hmm. it's like it's like in baseball when a guy comes up and is just really hot for the first month, but then pitchers adjust to him. Can you then adjust back? Like, how much do you have in your bag of tricks? to be able to keep going deeper as the the adjustments from the other teams continue. Exactly. And he'll have to do that, but his hustle plays make up for some of that too. I mean, yeah. You can't you can't stop a kid who just dives all over the place and back taps free throws and uh just a fun fun energy guy. Yeah, and now he's making threes. <laughs> yep. So, all right, well I want to talk about Juwan, but let's get to him in the next segment because actually when we do the meaningful moment, tonight's meaningful moment is a play that Juwan made in the first half that I thought was huge at the time. And so coming up here on the assembly call, uh we will point out tonight's meaningful moment that you might have missed. We will also go inside the numbers that is next here on the assembly call. Stick with us. Hey, just a real quick note here. The next time that you are going to shop online for IU gear, use the URL iustore.shop. That will take you to the official IU online store where they have anything you could possibly want. Candy stripe pants, the Script Indiana warm-up shirt, all kinds of IU gear. And that URL, iustore.shop, is actually our affiliate URL. So when you use it, and buy something, we get paid a commission. So it's a great way for you to shop for the IU gear that you need and to support the assembly call at the same time. Again, the URL is iustore.shop. Please bookmark it and use it the next time you're looking to buy IU gear. We appreciate it. Now back to the show. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris here with coach Brian Tonsoni, and we are breaking down Indiana's 28-point victory over Youngstown State to close out the non-conference portion of the schedule. And it is now time for tonight's meaningful moment that you might have missed, and this will springboard us into a discussion about Juwan Morgan, who had another uh, another solid performance tonight, exactly what you expect from Juwan. Uh, and I thought, in particular, there was a play that he made in the first half that was really important. And we talked about on Assembly Call Radio on Thursday night, how, and we talked about this on Podcast on the Brink as well this week, how Juwan has been terrific this year, and he has taken the next step, clearly. And now I think the next step for him is you know, being that guy, the true leader of this team, that when things aren't quite going very well, the guy who steps up and says, no, we're not going to have this, we are not going to lose this game, I'm going to go make a play, you know, lead with my effort, lead with my energy, and the team can follow me, you know. And, and uh, for instance, in the in a, against Fort Wayne, I didn't really think that he had that kind of energy. That he was really the guy who was able to do that. You know, granted, no one else did, but I think he's now the guy that we look to first to do that. And so, uh, in the first half, you know, Indiana got out to a nineteen to ten lead, uh, uh, and, and it, I think it was on uh, uh, McRoberts did something. It wasn't a three pointer, but he did something to get uh, Indy. No, it was Justin Smith drained a three pointer that made it nineteen to ten. And so it kind of looked like at that moment, maybe Indiana's going to extend this lead out. But Youngstown State kind of slowly but surely chipped away at it a little bit. And all of a sudden, it's 22 to 18. And we're all thinking, man, is this going to happen again? You know, this is a a 300th ranked Youngstown State team. Indiana should be dominating them. And Juwan Morgan 
made a play. Uh, uh, Devontae Green took a shot. Juwan Morgan grabbed the rebound. One of the announcers even commented, he looks angry. And he got the rebound. He got the bucket. It put Indiana up 24 to 18. Indiana would then uh, you know, score five more points uh, uh, before the, the end of the half to lead 29-20. And I just thought that was a big momentum-shifting play. It was kind of you know, Juwan Morgan saying, not in my house. We need a bucket. I'm going to get it right now. It was a toughness play. It was a hustle play. He got it. And Youngstown State never got closer than that again. And to me, those are the kind of plays that Juwan needs to be making uh, for this team to be good because there just there isn't enough consistency elsewhere on the roster. He's the guy. I mean, he showed it in the Notre Dame game. And I thought in that moment, you know, thinking back to, you know, where things were right there at the end of the first half, that was a huge bucket for Indiana to get. It created some momentum into halftime. And then obviously we talked about what they did at the start of the second half. Um, but I was impressed with, with Juwan Morgan's ability to come out and make that play uh, at the time when he did. There, there are several things a player can do when, when they're lacking energy or they're struggling a little bit, and one of them is going to the boards and going to the glass. And, and I thought that that got Juwan going, and that got his energy level up, and then I thought the team fed off of that. The other is do some stuff on the defensive end, take a charge, get a deflection, uh, and, and get the offense started defensively. But I thought – the effort on the glass, specifically offensively by Jawan. And then Coach said something in the presser leading up to the game about how he wants to push Jawan to another level, that his game has gotten to this level. He's got a lot of recognition, and now uh, he has to go even higher. And, again, some of that is you're not going to see him be able to get 30-some points in the post. Uh, um, I wrote it down here that they're not doubling Davis, but doubling Morgan, the commentator said that. So, now there's a different strategy of, of, of doubling him quickly. So he's going to have to find within the game ways to impact the game. And then, and that's not just points. And if we remember early in the year, we were worried that he wasn't going to be even to the level that he's at right now, because when he missed some threes, it looked like he was, he was hanging his head a little bit because his offensive game wasn't there. And then all of a sudden, he started doing those little things. And tonight was, was good to see because we have to have that energy from Jawan. Oh, there's there's no question about it. And I'd say the other moment that really stood out to me, it's late in the game. Indiana's up, you know, 64-38, something like that. The game was well in hand already. And there was a play. Al Durham turns the ball over. And so and Youngstown State's going the other way. And Youngstown State, you know, not a, a very talented team for, you know, for a division one team, but they are pretty quick and they can get the ball up the court pretty quick. And all of a sudden, I just see streaking in the bottom, uh, you know, third of the screen, Juwan Morgan getting back in transition, hustling, I mean, running 100%. And, you know, for a guy like that who's, you know, he's, he's gotten his numbers in this game, he's played well, the game is well in hand. I just thought that those little things, that kind of leadership, by example, we know how important transition defense is to Archie Miller. And there's been so many times when guys haven't hustled back and he's immediately pulled the guy out. Uh, and so just to see Juwan late in a game like that, streaking down to get himself back in position. And he ended up forcing either a missed shot or uh, uh, his guy got the ball and ended up having to pass it out. They did end up scoring on that play, but it certainly wasn't because of Juwan. I just think those little things, it, if he's doing that, you know, with five minutes left in a blowout game like this, that to me is showing him starting to take some of that next step into being a true leader. Because leadership isn't just... We've talked about this before, <clears throat> you know, giving a speech before the game or, you know, gathering guys together in a huddle. It's doing the little things when they're hard to do, you know, like a moment like that. It would have been easy to loaf and nobody probably would have said anything. And yet there he is sprinting down the court. I was just really impressed yeah. by that. 
Yeah, that's a, that's an example of that defensive type of play there. And, and I'll give one. I, I thought Devontae Green was not very uh, good tonight throughout the entire game. Some bad shots. I had him with four bad shots. I had him with several turnovers and not many uh, offensive plays. But his play at the end of the half, and this is why players need to understand that you can be really struggling, but play the next play because that steal and that bucket with five seconds pushed it up to double digits or 12, and it was momentum. You're going in. You're going to get it from Archie no matter what, but it's up 12 getting it from Archie is a lot better than if it were still at eight or 10. And and I thought, you know, he had not played well, but he's, he he made a play there. Now, I would like to see him come out second half and, and, and play better, but those are the things that players need to understand that it's a 40-minute game. And regardless of what you've done before, you could always impact the game. Uh, and it's good to see Jawan doing that uh, when the game was out of hand because everyone everyone can do it when it's a tightly contested game. But can you do it at, at a pro, uh, other times? But that was something that, man, I was d- disappointed in Devontae other than that one play at the end of the half. And I thought that might have been a key to our jump into the second half. It was a big play. It, to clarify, that made it 29 to 20. So that put Indiana up nine okay. heading into the half. And it was big, yep. uh, you know, but overall for Devonte, he was the worst on the team in terms of plus minus at minus six. And I mean, his other numbers, he was one for seven from the field. As you mentioned, three or four of those were extremely questionable shots, you know, only had one assist, it, you know, had a couple of turnovers and probably should have had a few more. It's interesting. <clears throat> you know, you look at Devonte's numbers on Ken Palm. And his overall ratings for the season are not very good, but they are, they do kind of reach into the average level against Indiana's best competition. And they're really bad in games like this. So, you know, I don't know if, look, maybe that's just small sample size talking, or maybe it's, you know, that Devontae struggles to get up for these kind of games, but, you know, he's kind of more of a, a quote unquote gamer that, you know, when, when the lights are a little bit brighter, he plays a little better. Uh, and certainly Indiana is going to need him and their better games to do that. But you still, you know, when you see performances like tonight, it becomes so hard to trust him. You know, I saw Chronic Hoosier tweeted that Devontae is the new Troy. And I get what he's saying because of how quickly Devontae can oscillate from good to bad. I would say a poor man's Troy because I think it's a little bit of an insult to Troy, who, while he was good and bad, still produced a lot. <laughs> and Troy did a lot of really good things. And I don't think Devontae has reached that level yet. But for a guy who I think we all hoped, could take that next step and, and and kind of thought that he needed to take that next step for the team to take it to take another step he just he hasn't done it yet certainly on on a on a consistent level and tonight overall probably one of his worst performances of the season well Jared I think he he provides us something we need he, he's a guy who can drive yeah uh, he's a guy who can shake and bake but you got to do that smart I mean, you got to be smart when you're doing those things. You can't be loose with the ball, and you can't be driving in and falling away and and taking bad shots. And the other thing is, he's probably one of our better passers. This post feeds, he he does a nice job, but yeah. it's it's he's got he is the example of the whole team is consistency, and we are up and down, up and down, up and down, game to game, playing to the level of our opponents. I think Andy tweeted that out today. Uh, is so true, and you know. He gets jazzed up to play Duke and to play Louisville and lets it loose. And then um, he's not all dialed in as much as probably he needs to be against these other teams. And, boy, we can really use him at optimal. Devontae Green really can add something to us. But tonight was was not that effort. Yeah. 
Well, yeah, I mean, just think back to the first half of that Seton Hall game, you know, to see what he can add to it when he's, you know, playing at his best. All right, you're listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. I'm Jared Morris here with the coach Brian Tonsoni talking about Indiana's 28 point win over Youngstown State. It's time to go inside the numbers. A uh, couple numbers jump out. Obviously, the biggest number is Youngstown State goes two for 25 from three point range. They missed their first 15. Uh, and look, part of this is probably just the law of averages kind of catching up, you know, regression to the mean uh, a little bit for Indiana. You know, when you have two teams come in and hit 17 three-pointers in your building, at some point, someone's going to come in and struggle to shoot. The question I have for you, Brian, as we kind of go inside that number is, was this a case of Youngstown State, you know, just kind of missing this just being a bad shooting team and then missing uh, some good looks? Or did you see anything in what Indiana was doing that maybe, you know, because they talk about on the broadcast, Indiana defended the three-point line better. And we know you talk to the stat, you know, kind of the analytics guys, and they don't really buy into the whole, you know, thing about defense really influencing three-point percentage too much, at least in, in large numbers. Um, but did you see improvement from Indiana in terms of closeouts and just being solid defending the line? I, I did. I, I mean, we played a, a bad team and a bad shooting team probably, and that, that helps. Um, but and then I don't know Archie's definition of a proper closeout. Um, you know, how close to the shooters, you know, that strategy. So I don't know that. So I'm statting what I think are poor closeouts based on a high school coach thing. And and that's probably not fair. But uh, I only saw six really poor closeouts, which are either too short or no hands up, uh, which allow a drive or an open three. I will say this, though. I, I think that there were several that were too short. Uh, if I were coaching the college game, we need to get out a little bit further because talented kids on a short closeout might have banged a few of those threes tonight that Youngstown missed. So I, I don't think it was as poor as I've seen. I think our communication was better. And again, it's against a bad team. You, you go up against a Michigan who designed some picks and pops and, and really stretches the defense. Uh, we could be right back into a, a struggled three-point thing. So you got to be careful saying that's that whack-a-mole thing today. Was it our defense or bad shooting? There's a little bit of combination of both. But I thought I saw more of an effort to get out. I thought more of an effort with hands to distort um, uh, timing and vision. And, and I think that had to play into some of the, the bad um, shots by Youngstown. The other number to me that jumps out is Indiana's assist, uh, their assist rate. They assisted on 69% of their made field goals. They had 20 assists on 29 made field goals. And I thought in particular, Josh Newkirk and Robert Johnson did a really nice job passing. I, I know Josh Newkirk has had assist games, you know, nine or 10 before, but I struggle to think of a game where he made better passes more nifty passes than he made tonight he made a few in transition that were just beautiful he made a you know had a little drop-off dish to Deron Davis for a buck out for a bucket that was beautiful and you know I know someone asked us uh, on assembly call radio Thursday night you know <clears throat> the Josh Newkirk that we saw against Tennessee Tech can we see him you know for the rest of the season and I thought you know we saw a little bit more of that guy tonight although the numbers you know weren't as good he had 20 points against Tennessee Tech only 10 tonight you know didn't have a great shooting night uh, but did have three steals, and I thought those assists were really encouraging. Now, again, that's Tennessee Tech and Youngstown State, and you've got to translate that to Big Ten play. Um, but I was really impressed with his passing, and I think, look, Indiana in a lot of ways goes how their senior guards go, and so I think you know those guys combining for nine assists kind of set the tone for a team that 
played unselfishly. And that was, you know, kind of one of the buzzwords Archie had after the Fort Wayne game is that in a lot of ways, bad offense led <clears throat> to, the, to the poor defense and that Indiana played selfishly offensively. And tonight for the second game in a row, I thought they were much more unselfish offensively. Newkirk had nine assists. I haven't seen a box score. No, Newkirk had five. Robert five. Johnson had four. So four. combined. Okay, so five. Uh, I, I told you ahead uh, of game I was going to track hockey assists. And, and hockey gives out two assists on a goal. And, and what I determine as a hockey assist is that second pass, that pass to the wing, then the wing passes into the post. Uh, all of that has to work in order for there to be offense. So I, I give a hockey assist to that guy who, who reversed the ball to the wing. And I also give hockey assist to the guy who feeds the ball to a shooter and he misses. But it was a great pass, great offense that we just missed because you want to see who's moving the basketball. Jared, you're absolutely correct on Josh Newkirk. 14 hockey assists wow. tonight. 14 times he moved the ball into a position where it could be thrown in for a score or he moved to a shooter who missed a shot, but it was a good pass. Led the team by far. Second, McRoberts with six Not a hockey surprise. assists because he moves the ball. And earlier you were trying to – to, to share with the listeners a, a time in the game. McRoberts did something, man. That's like, you know, every minute of the game, it's kind of hard to pin <laughs> down. So I, I need to let you know, don't say, I think McRoberts did something because it doesn't clarify much. But 14 hockey assists on top of his five, that's 19 passes that led to a shot or a definite scoring opportunity. And, you know, they don't give assists for a, a pass and the shooter's fouled. Uh, I don't believe that's a technically an assist, but if, if you bang two free throws right there, that's a pass that led to points. So that goes into a hockey assist for me. Um, and so I really thought that was, you know, the other guards, Robert only had two hockey assists, but I thought he did a better job in the second half of looking to drive and attack and get teammates open. But Newkirk was an unsung hero uh, for me tonight. I thought his energy in the first half was outstanding. He only got screened once defensively, which was the only time we got caught up in a screen. It was that lob play that he got caught. He had one poor closeout, and he was not driven to the point of a score, right? So he might have been driven, and there's a pass out, but he didn't drive that force to rotation, which has been his his weakness, I think, is, is defense. I thought he played a really good game, and if he can get 10 and 5, and then move the ball like that, that's going to make us uh, a lot better. I, I was really impressed with his passing and his overall play. Yeah, and be active and get steals and get out and transition a little bit. I mean, that that's what he needs to do. So this was a second straight good game for him, and hopefully he carries that into Big Ten play because Indiana certainly needs him to. All right, coming up on the assembly call, we're going to continue our breakdown here of this Indiana victory over Youngstown State. There's a couple individuals that I want to discuss um, with you, Coach. One is Justin Smith. The other is Robert Johnson. And so we're going to talk about those guys and their performances tonight coming up on the assembly call. Stick with us. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Catch us live immediately following every IU basketball game and every Thursday night on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. You can also view all of our live broadcasts right on our homepage at assemblycall.com. I am Jared Morris here with the coach, Brian Tonsoni, and we are breaking down Indiana's 79-51 to 51 victory over Youngstown State. And coach, let's talk about Justin Smith. I know, you know, someone in our chat over here on YouTube, uh, Brett says may have been Justin Smith's best game in a while. Uh, and I won't dispute that, 
simply because Justin hasn't played a whole lot in a while and he hasn't really played well in a while. And so for him to come out tonight, you know, get eight points, get five rebounds, you know, make some plays, knock down a three pointer. I think it was a positive performance for Justin, something that, you know, there were individual elements, individual plays that I think he can take and build some confidence in going forward. Obviously, the competitions are going to be much better than Youngstown State. But for a freshman, that's big. And I think even more than that, you know, the praise that he got publicly from Archie Miller. And this is one of the reasons why I was so interested in watching how Justin did tonight, because Archie mentioned on his radio show and and at the media availability on the you know, talking with fish before the game how Justin and and Al had really come back from the Christmas break, uh, really had good attitudes, really practiced well. So it seemed like he would get some time, and he did. So, you know, I mentioned the good things, but, you know, there were some plays in the first half, uh, and I talked about these on the halftime report, but I thought they were really indicative of why Justin is not getting more playing time, and people, you know, ask us this a lot, and I think what you saw in the first half is why, And, and one is on offense, one is on defense. So there were a couple of plays on offense, and actually they sandwiched the three-pointer that he made where he got the ball down low and got the ball down on the block. And both times, it's almost like he predetermined that he was going to shoot, but he didn't have an angle. You know, he turned the wrong way, and he ended up getting stripped and, and you know, wasn't able to, to even get the ball up on the rim. So didn't give himself a chance to get fouled, didn't give himself a chance to score. And what he should have done is, you know, be a little bit more patient, try and get some kind of angle or kick the ball out and keep the ball moving. But, you know, the poor recognition and then just the poor ability once he went into his scoring motion, he has really struggled scoring down low and he struggled getting to the free throw line. He has one of the poorest free throw rates on the team. And so I think that frustrates Archie and it it limits what Justin can do offensively because Yeah, he made that three-pointer, but he hasn't proven that he can do that consistently. And so he's got to be able to create offense down low. And tonight against a team like Youngstown State that really, you know, not a very good defensive team, he couldn't do that. Then on the other end, you know, we talk about closeouts. He had one closeout in the first half where, you know, I don't, maybe you can assess it a little bit better than I can. It was, I don't want to say he wasn't playing hard, but it was kind of lackadaisical. His hands weren't up. He definitely wasn't ready to... uh, you know, to, to defend a dribbler and the guy just went right by him and ended up scoring. And so, you know, that inability out on the perimeter to even put up any type of resistance uh, to a guy driving. I think when you combine those two things, those are some of the reasons why he's unable to get on the floor more. And I think he's going to have to clean that up and be more consistent in both of those areas. Uh, if he's because he, he's done a pretty good job, I think, defensively down low and rebounding down low. But when he ends up having to defend on the perimeter, uh, I just think his awareness and his ability to contain any type of dribble penetration um, is really glaring. Yeah, I, I think um, I thought he had a little bounce to his game today, uh, special, especially on the offensive end. But um, yeah, I charted that play and, and I put it in the driven category, but it was because of a poor closeout and then he got driven. It was right at the on the elbow and it went right down the lane. But he had. We didn't, according to what I was looking for, the closeouts and the and the drives. He had three, two closeouts in the second half were really poor, and and, and then the drive that you were uh, referencing. I think if if we're looking for a reason why he's not playing more, I think it's more on the defensive end than on the offensive end. Um, although I do agree with you that his post play, his post moves weren't weren't up to to par, but he's been really good against zones, especially in the, in the lane uh, early on. And I think he got a lot of time early because uh, Morgan had tweaked his ankle and only played five minutes in one game. And then Hartman was still out. And so he, he got rushed a little bit um, and played well. 
in, in those segments. But I imagine with Archie being a defensive-minded coach, the reason that we're not seeing him is because of the things that we kind of saw tonight on defense, that def- those that technique of, of closing out, recognizing uh, what the other team's doing. I would imagine that's why he's seeing limited time. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about Robert Johnson, who he ended up with 13 points, you know, had had four assists, did a nice job on the glass, had six rebounds, um, limited the turnovers to just two, you know, struggled shooting. He was only one of six tonight and five of 13 overall. Here's the issue that I had with Robert. I want to get your take on this, Coach, especially in the first half. I think he was much better about this in the second half. But he seemed, and I think this has been a problem for him all season long, he just seemed so tentative and almost unable to make a decision when he would drive into the paint and and I think that was there for both of our guards I actually wish that we had taken those opportunities a little bit more but there was one play in particular he drives in and if he was just looked up at the basket he was wide open for a little four or five foot floater which is a shot that he had made just a couple minutes earlier and he didn't even look and he almost like panicked passed the ball out and it got stolen and you know we see that from him he's we're not seeing it as much on catch and shoot opportunities. He's shooting those much more confidently, much more in rhythm. But as a dribbler, it just seems like he's overthinking almost every bounce of the basketball and not just playing. And I don't know if there's anything that you can do with that. I mean, the guy's a senior. He's played a lot of basketball. And we've seen him, especially his sophomore year. He was so good at driving into the lane and just kind of dumping those little passes off to Thomas Bryan or you know going up to the basket. Um uh, but that, that indecision and the other thing that I've noticed with him is when he drives and, and and gets into the lane and goes up for a shot, it's almost like he kind of makes his body small and it, 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 it reduces his ability to draw contact. And it also because of the angle that he has the ball at, it's hard for him to get the ball up on the rim instead of going up with the ball up high, going up strong and either getting fouled or being able to get the ball up there. And I think that's why. You know he struggles finishing against you know against defense down low and struggles to get fouled and why his free throw rate is so low. So just a couple of observations that you know not just from this game but overall that I've kind of noticed this year. I think you're I think you're exactly right with Robert, and it's it's a little frustrating because we see that he has ability to do some things and to be an aggressive scorer, but he's just lacks that aggressiveness, and and that shows up. You, in making your body small at the rim, that's lacking aggressiveness. Instead of going to the rim and jamming it and then, you know, pumping your chest and doing all that stuff, you go and you try to avoid contact and then, then you get caught and you don't, you can't finish. Uh, and th- I, if, if I had the secret, I wouldn't probably be on your show right now. I'd be <laughs> coaching in the NBA, but you know, to, to get, he's a great young man, practices hard, wants to do what the coach says. There's no issues there whatsoever. But then on on game nights, he just lacks that aggressiveness. And some young men, you, you try to coach it out of them. Um, and, and that and what, what you like is you like the kid who, who you say, man, that's a horrible shot. He says, okay, coach. And he shoots the next one almost at the same spot, right? I mean, he takes the coaching and puts it into play, but there's no there's no letdown. Um, you know, those are the fun players uh, to coach because – I don't want to say they don't care what you say as a coach, but they, they're players. They, 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 they don't hide in big time moments that they will do whatever it takes. And then they'll get their butt chewing in film session. And I think Robert's just a little, um, he's trying maybe too hard to do the right things instead of just playing at sometimes. And then, then when you tell them to do that, then you get the six turnovers, right? So here's a young man's like, man, if I play loose, I turn it over six times. If I play a little bit more patiently, then I, then I don't score. And at some point we have to find that happy medium with Robert. And 
play without turning the ball over. But yeah, he's his aggressiveness needs to be at a higher level. I thought he was a little bit in the second half. Yeah, uh, I, I thought in the second half. It was a lot better in the second half. And again, that's again more whack a mole stuff with an individual player. But um, you know, then you just put him in the proper position as a coach. If he's not that aggressive type scorer, then you might have to find that somewhere else. And 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 that's just a struggle now with this IU team because they probably need him to be that aggressive. Uh, you know, like James Blackman never never met a shot he didn't like, regardless of whether he was told it was bad or not. Troy Williams never liked to drive, um, you know. But you need some of those kids to just do it and do it well, and do Devontae it. Devontae Green's kind of like that. <laughs> yeah, and, and it drives you nuts when they make mistakes. But if you can clean the mistake out of that, then that ends up being better. And, and Robert's playing too safe. I think he's just playing too safe on the offensive end and, and doing a great job on the defensive end. Yeah, he is. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris here with the coach, Brian Tonsoni, breaking down Indiana's victory over Youngstown State. Uh, one other guy I want to discuss is Deron Davis, who nine points, a couple of rebounds, had a steal and a block. I thought it was a pretty uneven 16 minutes for Deron. And again, just that right there is kind of concerning that he only plays 16 minutes and it wasn't really foul trouble. You know, he only picked up a couple of fouls and they were, again, you know, fouls away from the basket, which he has a penchant for doing. But, you know, this is a game I, I kind of thought he would be able to go in there and dominate, you know, uh, considering the opponent. And he had a couple of nice stretches, but I, I kind of feel the same way about him sometimes that what I just described with Robert Johnson, that he kind of makes himself small and, and, and does try to use finesse a little bit when power would be the better option. And we saw it in the first half of that Tennessee Tech game where he went up and just, you know, and jammed the ball home. And we don't see that very often from him. Um, and so, you know, I don't, I don't know that we really learned anything more from Duran tonight. It was, just, it was kind of another Duran Davis type game. Um, but you know, no, no real progress tonight, I, I guess is the thing. And, and that's a little disappointing because you would like to see him, you know, play more than 16 minutes as we ramp up here for big 10 play when we're going to need him on the court. Yeah. It, and you know, I, I've been disappointed in his play, um, but he's a typical old-fashioned post player more than what our current, the current NCAA and, and pro game post player. And, and you know, um, so if you if you look at the teams that are in the top of NCAA, they have more of the screen and roll, alley oop type guys, not the power post guys. And, and so that's that's a concern of mine is that his athleticism. And that's why they wanted him to lose so much weight and get down. But is he just a post-up guy? And then you use that when you can, but he also has trouble guarding and yeah. the, the game as it is, the pick and pops have given him trouble. The hedges, it's, it's a slower recovery for him. And I think that's what ends up limiting his minutes. Um, and he's got to eliminate the four power dribble back in, uh, post move. He's got to get better angles and, and be able to go to the basket. So there's a lot of room for improvement. Uh, and and you, you look at this, um, Purdue plays with one of those centers and, and they do a very good job. But when he was a sophomore, he wasn't, he, he wasn't the asset that he is, um, right now with their, their, their big kid. And in fact, they bring in harms in to play defense because, um, he, you know, I'm, I'm losing his name cause I don't like to talk Purdue. Um, <laughs> But, you know, very few. I got Kansas and Texas on, and their bigs are flying all around. And so yeah. we've got to find a way to utilize his strengths, and then he can't play small. 
Uh, and but um, yeah, he's he's been a little bit of a disappointment here for about a month, and let's hope that he can find it. And I'm sure he's working hard on on making uh, himself himself better. So, but yeah, he's got to do more. Yep. A uh, couple real quick. Let's hit these. A couple of interesting comments from Archie. I thought uh, coming out of this game, uh, and Zach Osterman uh, tweeted these out. Uh, you know, he it sounds like Archie. You know, doesn't have a. He said, "I don't think the quality of our shots is terrible. I just don't think we're making the open ones, and a lot of that is mental." Uh, and I think there's something to that because I do think Indiana's getting a lot of open looks, unable to make it. One thing he definitely sounds frustrated with, and I, I failed to mention this in our inside the numbers, but it definitely shows in the numbers, is we're not rebounding the ball at all right now. Even in the Tennessee Tech game, they had 17 offensive rebounds tonight. That's not going to cut it moving forward. And I have noticed that as well. That I mean, there was one play in particular that sticks out for me where Josh Newkirk, his man shot the ball from the corner, and he didn't even consider blocking the guy out. And the guy got his own rebound, scored real easily. Uh, and I think, you know, you're seeing, I think, Juwan Morgan battle pretty consistently on the boards and 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 Robert Johnson's doing an OK job. And Zach obviously gets down there. But uh, there is definitely some sporadic rebounding and some stretches where, you know, I mean, it's like we just give up offensive rebound after offensive rebound. So your thoughts on those comments from coach? Yeah, you know, that's I'm glad you brought that up because we are playing volleyball a lot with trying to get rebounds and. and what concerns me is that we play generally somewhat small with with Morgan and Hartman at times at the four and the five, and and I think some of that as the years go by, we'll start getting those you know six, seven, six, eight, six, nine guys that can get off the ground and go get rebounds. But I, the interesting thing from when we used to play, it used to be big men got your rebounds, and now yeah. now guards have to get back and rebound. And when I remember that play that Newkirk just turned and watched the shot and, and his guy went in and, and got it, but, but guards have to go into the, to the mess in the lane and get, I mean, that's what McRoberts does offensively. He goes into the mess and he tips it. Um, and, and we get extra, extra opportunities that way, but defensively, you know, Butler and, and Stevens did a, a great job um, free throw they tell their big guys, don't let the big guy get the rebound, and then our guards will go get it. That sometimes you tell your big guys, don't get rebounds. Just keep the best rebounder of the other team off the glass and then let the guards go pick it up. So there's some strategy that that can help that. Uh, but we just have to make more contact, and then we have to go with two hands and rip that ball and pursue that ball, five men to the ball. Uh, and we did not do that tonight. And uh, I remember Tennessee game, no. The Tech game, no. And that's going to hurt us uh, in Big Ten play. All right. Coming up in our final segment of this edition of the Assembly Call, we hand out our game balls. We look ahead to Indiana's next opponent. I know Andy Bottoms isn't here, but we'll do our best to talk about Wisconsin. And then we deliver our final thoughts on Indiana's victory over Youngstown State. That is next here on the Assembly Call. Stick with us. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. I'm Jared Morris here with the coach Brian Tonsoni, wrapping up our breakdown of Indiana's 79 to 51 victory over Youngstown State. Coach, it is time for game balls, and so you get the honors first of handing out your game ball for tonight's victory. You know, I, I'm going to give it to Josh Newkirk um, because you know I thought that uh, he came with the appropriate energy. He missed a couple shots early. But I thought they were good shots. And what I'm really impressed with Josh is that I thought he had one of his better defensive games. And 
we just talked about his missed block out, and there was a one screen. He got screened for the lob. But he was getting beat consistently more than that. Um, and I think there were times when there'd be two or three straight possessions he wouldn't play defense and then would get substituted out. You're but talking that, about in previous games. Previous games, yeah. yes. And so tonight, one or two, you're going to make mistakes as a player uh, defensively. So I didn't. I thought it was his, one of his better defensive games, and there's not a whole lot of stats to, to show that. Uh, I don't think he took a uh, – the one bad shot he took, it went in and got fouled. But his moving the basketball for me, it, you know, sometimes when I focus in on stats that aren't in the box score, they really tell a lot about the game. And sometimes I get down on Newkirk for the mistakes that he makes. And tonight shows me that he was moving the ball. He was finding people, right? He was taking it from one side to the other side. And so the points that are being scored and those things, I, I think he was really responsible for a good offensive night tonight. So he gets my game ball. I like it. I like it. Uh, you know, obviously the, the easy choice here would be Zach McRoberts. And I definitely want to give him honorable mention. And we talked about him in the banner moment, but my game ball goes to Juwan Morgan. And I think it's, it's very easy sometimes when you have a guy like Juwan Morgan, who has clearly established himself as the best player. And, you know, you've seen him play games like the Notre Dame game where he's, you know, 30 plus points and 11 rebounds. And he's putting up these crazy numbers. You know, when he only scores 16 points, you know, only I say in quotation marks, 16 points, you know, six rebounds, you know, it kind of looks like a ho-hum game and you kind of look past it. And I feel like we sometimes used to do this with Yogi, where you just kind of took his consistency and his production for granted. But I think for this team, especially, you know, with so many guys who are up and down, that consistency is so important. And so, yeah, could Indiana have beaten Youngstown State without Juwan Morgan? I mean, probably. I mean, I hope so. I, mean, I guess I don't really know that for sure, given given what the team is, this team has looked like sometimes with him off the court. But probably. But I think the reason why Indiana, you know, obviously in the first half, I talked about that big play that he made that kind of stemmed the tide, and I thought you know he was good in the second half, but. He was efficient offensively, going seven for nine. And more than the points and the rebounds, you know, three steals and two block shots. He was active. He was all over the place. He was, you know, he's running in transition. And so uh, my game ball goes to Juwan. Uh, and, and part of that is because I just, I think it's important that we recognize, you know, the guys who have the responsibility for production, when they do that, it shouldn't just be taken for granted. And I think he continues to step up and show that game in, game out, he is this team's rock. Uh, and so he gets my game ball for, once again, doing it in a game where it took his, you know, him and his teammates a little while to get going. They did get going in the second half, and I thought it was in large part because he led them uh, in that direction. How can we forget this guy? Well, yeah, I mean, he, he got, he was honorable mention. He was honorable mention. <laughs> And we spent we spent the whole first segment talking about him. So I, I wanted to bring back the Tom Crean sign, <laughs> only for a positive. We want more McRoberts. More McRoberts. Well, Archie talked about him in the post game press conference and said, "I think we figured out that he needs to be a major part of what we're doing." And I mean, Archie can say whatever he wants. What really matters is playing time. And McRoberts played twenty seven minutes tonight. That was uh, the only. Um, Newkirk and Morgan played more. They each played 29 minutes. So I think it's pretty clear. Yep. And him starting the second half in a game that was not decided at halftime by any means, I think that shows how much faith Archie has in him. Uh, what other angles have we not hit in this game, Coach? That you uh, is, is there anything that we haven't hit that you want to discuss? Well, we, we've, we've talked about it, and we don't need to spend a lot of time. But if we can limit the up and down, the inconsistent play, We've shown we can play against some teams that are, are talented and, and Big Ten level. And the Big Ten 
is is not very strong. It is there for the taking. And so um, we just need to play consistently within the 40 minutes uh, and from game to game. And, and whatever that takes, we, we got to find it and can still have a very successful season. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. So let's talk briefly here about Wisconsin. Andy obviously usually does our uh, our, our opponent previews because uh, he knows these teams a lot better than than I do, certainly. But, uh, you know, a couple things that are important to note about Wisconsin. Number one, Indiana hasn't won at Wisconsin in forever. I don't now I don't even I can't even remember the last time it's happened. We don't need to get into the numbers, but it's been a long time. So there's a big monkey that Indiana needs to get off its back. And I feel like we have played them more competitively recently. And it does kind of feel like if you're going to do it, this would be kind of the year to do it. I mean, Indiana obviously is is doesn't have a very high Ken Palm ranking. They were in the 90s uh, prior to tonight's game. Well, Wisconsin is 72nd, and they were you know really scuffling there at four and seven after they lost that game to Marquette. They've since won three games in a row. Uh, one was over a Western Kentucky team that is uh, you know 83rd ranked in Ken Palm. The other two are against sub 300 teams, uh, and uh, you know so nothing really to write home about. But obviously, they have Ethan Happ, uh, who is a terrific player uh, and is using 32.2% of their possessions. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah, he, he we know if Ryan were on here, he would have some choice words uh, for Ethan Happ. But he, he is the guy that they're going to run everything through. And so I think it's going to be a really interesting challenge how Indiana deals with him. I mean, what what do you think is the game plan for going up against Ethan Happ? Is this the kind of game that actually is more that fits Deron Davis a little better? Because I recall him playing well against Wisconsin last year, uh, you know, where you've got a bit, a, a little bit more of a traditional big man down there for him to bang against and Hap. That, I think, that how IU guards Hap um, will be the thing to watch early on, on Tuesday. Um, and, and I'm going to miss that game. I got a game myself um, that night. But that's what I would be watching. Who do they stick on him? And then what role does the other post player have? Uh, and again, I'm not as familiar... I know they have a couple injuries, and watching the other night, the, the kid with a bad shoulder kind of went out at the end. I don't know what his status is. Um, but I think you got to stop. Obviously, it doesn't take a genius to say stop Ethan Hat, but you can't. Um, the swing offense will isolate people in the post, and, and then it'll try to find uh, um, you overhelping in the post for a, a three point shot. So um, he, he's just had our number for a while. So that's, that's really kind of a, a scary proposition going up there. But I think if there's any time to get a Wisconsin, it might be at this point as they're dealing with some of the things that they've been dealing with. He's just such a unique player. And we can say nice things about him because Ryan's not on here to cut the broadcast off. But I mean, mm-hmm. uh, like what other player? He's in the top 20 uh, in the country in number of possessions used in defensive rebounding percentage. And he's also in the top 100 in assist rate. Like you just you don't see that that kind of combination of numbers very often with a guy who can do so many things and his steal percentage is actually a little bit down this year from where it's been in the past. Um, but he's just you know he, he's he's a really good player um, and obviously that that's where it's going to start for Indiana and then they've got a whole bunch of other guys you know you're used to the familiarity of Wisconsin names you know like Koenig and Hayes and all these guys and now it's Davison and Iverson and Pritzel and you know other guys that I've never even heard of so for so long it's kind of seemed like you knew exactly what to expect from wisconsin and knew all the entire cast of characters this feels like it's going to be brand new outside of ethan happ and obviously that dastardly arena that we're going to have to play yeah and and 
you know, Hap being a good passer, it was really what makes him dangerous because if you go double the post, where do you double from? And if he's good at sensing that and finding the, the opening, that swing offense keeps four people around the three-point line. And then anytime you get an open three, then you're forcing a closeout and then you can drive. That's when that becomes difficult to play uh, Wisconsin. And playing up there, I would say, take it to them with our post players. They've got to guard us too. Um, but in, in that place, you know, we might, not get a call until you know the eight minutes to go in the game yeah and, and so that that's the thing but again if you get i think if you get hap in in foul trouble um i'd like you know he's a good defender but he's got to guard a couple of our post players that that we we could have an advantage there yep so it feels like a game that's there for the taking but let's also be realistic indiana has not played well in true road games and doesn't have a win in in in, in a true road game so uh, you know if the indiana team that, that showed up at michigan is the one that shows up at wisconsin you know you can you can stick a fork in the hoosiers so indiana obviously has to do their part to be able to take advantage of wisconsin team that isn't uh, you know kind of vintage quality um but it feels like the kind of game you go into it feeling like you have a good puncher's chance if you show up so hopefully the hoosiers show up they need to be the louisville you know when we went in to play louisville yeah. on, on the road i thought we gave great effort and just came up short and, and we need to do that these first two games uh in the big 10 and if we can if we can steal one uh and and minnesota has an injured guard too that may or may not be back so yep. yeah it'd be really nice to get one of these and 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 be two and two coming coming home. Yep. No doubt about it. All right, you're listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. We're wrapping up here. Uh, remember that because you're an Assembly Call listener, you get 15% off your entire order at HoosierProud.com. So if you want officially licensed IU gear like the Script Indiana long sleeve tee that I was telling you about, one of our Assembly Call logo t-shirts or, or one of Hoosier Proud's unique Indiana-inspired designs, Visit our friends at HoosierProud.com. Use the promo code ASSEMBLY at checkout, and you will get 15% off your entire order. All right, Coach, it is time for last call. Closing statements as we wrap up our uh, our analysis of Indiana's win over Youngstown State. What do you think? Yeah. When we Before we went on the, the Duke stretch of five games, uh, there was the show, and, and we talked about eight and six um, being – a really good mark seven and seven possibility and, and even worse the games got mixed up a little bit but we're eight and six um and and really we should be nine and five and so while we all struggle that this isn't a great shooting team and and we've been up and down we're we're one game away from being nine and five and 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 if we had that we'd really i think be happy uh right now with the new coach and and the, and the loss of three nba players so the Big Ten's there to be uh, taken by, you know, I don't know that we're going to win the Big Ten, but after the top two or three, there's a bunch of injuries. Maryland has an injury. Minnesota's guard went down for a couple weeks. Uh, the team that can play consistent could get double-digit Big Ten wins and put themselves in position for the Big Ten tourney and then maybe enough wins to sneak in in a 10-11 seed maybe. Um, it's still there, but it has to be consistent play. Yeah, I think, you know, look, the Notre Dame game was great. The Fort Wayne game rocked all of our worlds. And then the question was was obviously how would Indiana respond in these games against Tennessee Tech and Youngstown State leading into Big Ten play? And what could we really learn in these games? And obviously when you're playing teams ranked 211 and 333, there's only so much that you can learn. But I think the one thing to me that we have learned is, you know, if anybody thought that the Fort Wayne loss happened 
because there was a major disconnect between coach and team and, and they weren't on the same page or he's lost the team or something like that. If anybody thought that, look, maybe for that particular game, it seemed like that. But I think what we've seen over these last two games is that Archie has a, a pretty firm understanding and grasp of the role that he needs to play. You know, and, and we often talk about roles for players and how on really good teams, players understand their roles and they fill those roles. And I think we've got a lot of guys on this team that are struggling you know, to figure that out. I think guys like Juwan and, and Zach McRoberts have, have fairly well figured their roles out. And it's a big reason why they're so consistent uh, from game to game. And I think maybe it's taken Archie a little while to figure out exactly what he's got because these are guys he didn't you know, he's not that familiar with. He didn't recruit these guys and he's learning uh, with them every single game. And it seems like maybe he has a little bit better grasp of the role that he's got to play as the coach. And and I think, you know, we saw that with how they played against Tennessee Tech, you know, really came out, responded to him being a raving lunatic in practice. Uh, and obviously the first half tonight wasn't exactly what we would have wanted. And we don't know exactly how, you know, halftime went. Maybe they all, you know, went in, had orange slices and and listened to Enya. And it was nice and calm in there. But I doubt that's what happened, uh, just, you know, based on how Archie looked walking in there. So and the team responded. And that's good because I think you do run the risk, especially, you know, with with maybe guys who are wondering, OK, this new coach, he's coming in here. He's asking me to do all these things differently. And, you know, we're not a top 25 team. You know, we're not, you know, maybe we're not going to be able to compete for a Big Ten title. What am I really playing for? You know, all these kind of things can get in your head. But it, it seems like this team is is for the most part, you know, sticking together, continuing to play hard, continuing to respond to their coach. And they've position themselves now with Big Ten play starting. You know, as you said, Brian, you know, the overall record is eight and six. It's not great, obviously, but, you know, you're sitting at one and one and you're facing a conference slate with a bunch of games that are winnable if you show up uh, and, and if you play hard and if you continue to progress. So I continue to think that this Indiana team of all the teams in the Big Ten has as much room to still grow as any. And so with a, a middle of the Big Ten that continues to be so jumbled, I, I think there's a big opportunity for Indiana to still get better uh, and to be able to beat some of these teams that you may consider above them right now. Um, we'll see. Obviously, time is going to tell, but uh, I, I, I do feel overall encouraged by what we've seen in the 80 minutes since the Fort Wayne loss. Um, and I think that that's that's really about all that we could ask for, given who the opponents were coming into Big Ten play. So from that standpoint, it's a positive. And now we we start Big Ten play and hopefully we can get off on the right foot uh, with a uh, with a strong performance. And hey, maybe even a win up in Madison, because that would be uh, that would certainly be a great way to get back into Big Ten conference play. All right. Well, that'll do it for us on this edition of the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Remember that our live broadcasts immediately following every IU game are always available on our homepage at assemblycall.com and on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. And you can always catch up on demand with our podcast. If you can't watch live, just search for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. And most importantly, don't forget to go to assemblycall.com slash join and get on our free email newsletter so that you get our six banner Sunday news roundups and our post-game analysis emails the morning after every game. Uh, I'm going to go start working on that right now after we stop this. All right. Thank you for listening. We will talk to you again Tuesday night after IU Wisconsin. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. So long. Thank you for being here and for listening to this episode of The Assembly Call. We appreciate it. And we really do rely on the support of audience members like you to keep our show going and to keep growing. 
And so we have set up a page on our website at assemblycall.com slash support that lists five ways that you can support the assembly call. And we encourage you to choose whichever method is the easiest and most convenient for you. One of the methods is donating, and so many of you have donated, and we appreciate it so much. On that page, you can choose a monthly recurring donation or an annual recurring donation or just a one-time donation, whatever works for you. And if you don't want to donate, another way to support the show is you can use our affiliate URLs, iutickets.shop or iustore.shop when you're going to shop for tickets or gear, and we will get paid a small commission when you use those links. But however you support the show... We appreciate it. Thank you. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years older to purchase player client. Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> Okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh, man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm going to need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Save on Cox Internet when you add Cox Mobile and get fiber-powered Internet at home and unbeatable 5G reliability on the go. So whether you're playing a game at home, yes, cool, or attending one live, no! you can do more without spending more. Learn how to save at cox.com slash internet. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial cable. Cox Mobile runs on the network with unbeatable 5G reliability as measured by Ookla LLC in the U.S. to H2023. Results may vary, not an endorsement. Other restrictions apply.